We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Praise God. Close enough is near enough. No, it's not. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, and uh, man, God is good, hey? What a great day today. I mean, it started amazing. Blue skies, 18 degrees, and then the clouds came and uh, the temperature dropped ridiculously in a super quick thing. I mean, the best part about this type of weather is you don't need a fridge. Amen. <laughs> I mean, just leave everything out and it'll get cold enough. Praise God. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's a good thing, right? Praise God. And then you've got people that defy the odds. They wear shorts. I mean, this guy's wearing shorts. He's not even just wearing shorts. He's wearing short shorts. He's showing a, a lot of leg right now. I, I mean, people are stumbling right now. We did see a guy walking today with shorts, and he had waxed his legs too. So that was, a, that was next level. That's a guy that's not afraid of any cold. He has refused to allow anything. Amen. Praise God. But uh, no, we've had a blast. I, I really do enjoy coming along and uh, speaking to church and speaking to leaders in particular and getting people stirred up. Uh, I really do want to, I do want to see you. I thank God that you've come out tonight. Uh, it shows that you mean business. Uh, you know, uh, the, a lot of times uh, people think the church grows just by simply prayer. A, a prayer is an absolute, absolute must to church growth. But the Bible doesn't say just pray. It says, watch and pray. In fact, James says that if you've got faith, but you have no works, it's actually dead. And so there's not, it's not enough to have faith, amen? And I was, I was saying to the uh, staff this morning that, um, you know, a, a lot of times, and, and even when it comes to one of the prayers that I'm sure we've been praying ever since we came to church was we pray for souls. Do you know the Bible never told you to pray for souls? Wow, just... Are you not allowed to talk? Just, I'm trying to, is this what you do? You just stare? Praise God. I can't wait for you to lead one day. I really want to behave the same way that you're behaving with me right now. It's just, you can talk back to me, amen. Praise God, you know. Um, Bible never told you to pray for souls. Didn't say it. Give me a scripture. Amen. Never said pray for souls. I said pray for laborers. Souls are already there. It's a mute prayer. That doesn't mean you shouldn't pray for souls. I think we should pray for souls. But when you're praying for souls, it's not like Jesus is up in heaven going, no. God, give us souls today. No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it. Jesus, do you feel like dying on the cross from today? No, not today. I'm having a holiday. No, folks, it's a mute prayer. Does that make sense? Right? The answer has always been yes, but now go and get them. See, the people will not walk in through these four walls just by themselves. Now, some do. Some maybe they have a visitation from an angel, but most of the people are going to walk through these doors because we invited them, because we developed them, because we did something with their lives. Now, am I speaking purely on evangelism tonight? Absolutely not. But I, I want to talk to you about this as, you know, I, I, I really want to challenge you even at the beginning. Who are you inviting to church this weekend? It's amazing. Praise God. What? Like it sounded like a fire alarm was just about to go. <laughs> Praise God. Um, you know, the thing is this, we always look around when they say, is anybody new here today? But the real, and we're looking around going, look at that. No one new again this week. Well, who did you invite? Yeah. Amen. Leaders lead. Yeah. Amen. If you just think it's about a title, my gosh, man, Jesus isn't going to call you leader when you arrive. He's not going to call me pastor when I arrive to heaven. He, he's not even going to call me Matt. Hopefully he says, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Amen. He's going to call me servant and hopefully well done. It's the only time I like well done. Most of the time I like medium rare, but not when it comes to serving the King of Kings and a lot of rods. Amen. 
That's the only time I'll go for well done. But the thing is, is, is it's, it's about what are we doing? It's not enough to be in a room. It's not enough to wear the T-shirt that says you're a leader. In fact, the T-shirt means nothing. Amen. It's the same as people wearing a cross around their neck. It's the same as people having fish stickers on the back of their car. There's a high probability their car will get into heaven. They won't. Amen. Praise God. So it's got Jack's got to do about cars. Does that make sense? Stickers and this sort of stuff there. What's the point? I don't have a fish sticker on the back of my car. I don't have any Christian stickers on the back of my car because I don't drive like a Christian. Amen. And my wife doesn't have a fish. She has a piranha. Amen. Because she drives savagely. Amen. Praise God. That's the only way you survive in Malaysia. Amen. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of those things that we get caught up in. But tonight I really do want to talk to you because one of the biggest things that Jesus said was Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And uh, we won't put the Scripture up because I didn't give them the Scriptures, but you can trust me, I'm a pastor. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20 says this, Jesus came and told His disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, now when the Bible says therefore, you're supposed to check out what it's there for. I mean, there's a key thing about this, right, guys? When the Bible says therefore, you should be asking, what is that therefore? Right, what is it therefore? Therefore, now He's saying, here we go, ready? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptising in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He gave us a command to go and make disciples, baptise them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, just for some that are thinking that means baptism in water, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean baptism in water. There's bapto and there's baptizo. There's two different interpretations. And so when the Bible says you need to believe and be baptised to be saved, it doesn't mean you have to be dunked in water to be saved. Because the prisoner, the convict that was there on the cross, didn't get baptised in water, amen? Many people have passed away without getting baptised in water. So it's not meaning that. What it means is be immersed in the presence of God. Amen. See, when you take a cucumber uh, and you have a cucumber and you dip it in vinegar, it just becomes a vinegar-flavoured cucumber. But when you leave the cucumber in the vinegar for a long time, it becomes a pickle. That's when it's been baptised. Is this too deep for some of you guys? That's what it means, Right. Uh, but the word bapto or baptizo actually comes from where ships used to sink. See, when a ship was designed, a ship was designed to sail on the water. So it was in the water, right? Does that make sense? It was in the water. But when it sunk, the water was in the ship, baptised. Amen. Which means it was immersed. Nothing to do with the water. It was just the fact that now it was in Him. And when He says you're supposed to baptise people in the name of Jesus Christ, He's talking about get them fully immersed in the presence of God. Not fully immersed in water. Because I know a lot of people that have been baptised but still live like Satan. Amen. The baptism that Jesus is talking about is get them immersed in the presence of God. Where they can't think, do anything without thinking about what would Jesus do. Amen. Does that make sense? I'm just giving you a few free ones before we get into it. Amen. Just trying to see how leaders respond. See, my eyes are scanning you all right now. And I'm watching some of you. You haven't moved your eyebrows even once yet. I think one guy hasn't even blinked the whole flipping time, right? Seriously. So I want to see how you guys respond because you sit there with your arms folded. I think to myself, maybe you don't like to respond, right? Maybe you don't like to receive because I don't believe it's a comfortable position, right? And I say what everybody else thinks. My name's Matt Filder. It's not Matt Filter. Amen. And life is too short for us to be nicer than Jesus, right? If we want to see a world that's going to hell stopped, then we need to get active. Does that make sense, guys, right? So it's not a negative, by the way, too. People say, wow, is he getting fierce? Not even in the slightest bit. What I'm saying is we've got to stir the pot because Satan's winning. We think our opposition is the church that starts down the road. That's not your opposition. The opposition is the devil outside your door. 
I don't care about how many churches start down the road. If I'm doing what God's called me to do, He'll call the people that are called to this house in this house. Amen. So I don't care. I don't care what starts up the road. He'll song, whatever. Kingdom City starts here. You should never be threatened if you're doing what you're called to do. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not prophesying. I'm not saying we're going to start. I don't know when we're going to start. People always ask, where's your next city? The answer is yes. <laughs> Pretty much we'll go everywhere when God tells us. It's never a matter of where. It's a matter of when. Amen. Praise God. And so, so, but the thing is this, is we've got to get stirred up and we've got to get fired up. If we're going to change a society, are you changed? See, leaders lead. Too many people call themselves leaders, but I always ask you to turn, have a look around, see who's following you. If no one's following you, you're not leading, you're just taking a walk. Amen? Come on, folks. I love it. You know, when worship leaders, and that was great, worship leaders that look at the congregation that they're leading rather than just sing with their eyes closed because they're terrified of the people. You're not leading me, man. I could be doing anything. I could be picking my nose, man. You know what I'm saying? So you've got to look at the people that you're leading. Amen. Praise God. A poor drummer that's hidden behind a plastic fish aquarium, wearing his headphones, listening to the rugby as he's playing the drums. I could hear the faint sound of a cymbal there. You know what I mean? It's like, ding, ding, ding. Amen. Praise God. But to, you know, the thing is, this is like, it's, it's, I, I'm always looking, I'm always watching. I want to see who's really got the lean in. The staff asked me, who do you look for? I said, I look for the people with the lean in. When I'm looking at people that have come on staff, when I'm looking at people that get involved in leadership, I'm looking, I'm not worried about your skills and talents. I don't care about them. Too many times we hire people on charisma, but they've got no character. Amen. So they've got a whirlpool of talent, but they have no depth. Amen. I will take integrity over anointing any day of the week. Ooh, ooh, come on, man. Samson had the anointing, but he played with the anointing. Joseph, they, we don't read about him being super anointed, but we read about him being super integral. Now, he was certainly anointed. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But the thing is this, sometimes we sell out to someone that's got a voice like an angel, but lives like Satan the rest of the week. What's the point of that? We've got people that can preach the Word of God under everybody's, put them all under the carpet, but they don't live what they preach. Does that make sense? And so we've got to look for the people with the glint in the eye because the one thing I, we can teach you skill sets. We can teach you giftings. We can teach you different things there. We can actually stir your heart and train you, but we can't give you availability. We can't give you teachability and we can't give you vulnerability. You have to give that to us. Amen. We can't make you do that. Does that make sense? And if you haven't got that, then get it. Don't ask for greater gifts. Ask for that. Be teachable. Be vulnerable. I love how many people want to make themselves accountable to us these days, but there is no accountability because accountability means it goes both ways. What they really want is us just to deposit into their lives. But the moment you take a withdrawal, they freak out. Amen. Come on, folks. You know the greatest litmus test of your leadership is can you take a rebuke without quitting ministry? Oh, I'm not about to rebuke you. Just stop looking at me like scared children. It's like, <laughs> Jesus called Peter Satan. Jesus. I mean, if I got called Satan by will, it might offend me, but I'd get through it. But if God, if God said you are Satan, how many people know that had hurt a little bit? But Peter didn't quit the ministry. He didn't go, I'm out. I'm going to the children's church. I'm going to Elam, man. I'm joining Elam. Stuff you lot. Right? Seriously, he didn't quit the ministry. He didn't move down the stairs. You didn't even hear him about missing a heartbeat. He was right on board because Jesus had spent time investing into his life. So he earned the right to take a withdrawal. Amen. If all you do is get investment and you don't do anything with it, you become a beast. Praise God. I'm just getting warmed up. Having started my message yet. Isn't this fun? 
You'll get your money's worth tonight. I didn't pay, didn't you? I'm only kidding, I'm joking. You didn't pay, you didn't need to pay, right? So here he is, right? This is the Great Commission, amen? How many people know it's the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion? It's called the Great Commission. He's commissioning the disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands, not some of them, all of them, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. I think one version says, and lo, I'm with you always. That was when he was speaking to the Vietnamese disciple. He said, and lo, and lo looked up and said, yes, Lord, I'm with you always. Thank you very much. Okay, praise God. Okay, forget it, all right. So I'm just trying to see if I can make some of you laugh at some stage here. Seriously, it's like, laughter is of the devil. No, it's not. It's God. God created it. The devil perverted it. Here we go. So what do we see here? I see three C's. There's a call, there's a command, and there's a commission. There's a call, follow me. There's a command, love one another, commission, make disciples. Call, command, commission. Call, command, commission. So I wanna talk to you about how do we make disciples? Because if you're a leader in here, it's because you've been called to make disciples. And you're saying, well, I'm still a new leader. God can still use you while He changes you, amen? Come on, folks. I was taught a long time ago, you need three people in your life. I'm gonna give you a lot of free stuff because I've got a lot of stuff in my head and in my heart, right? You need a Solomon, someone who speaks wisdom into your life. Amen, you need someone. Who's your Solomon? Please don't point to the roof and say Jesus because I'll smack you. Honestly, He's everybody's Solomon for goodness sakes. I'm talking about who in the flesh do you go to for wisdom? Amen. Come on, I've done this, this is, honestly, I've been around for a long time. I got saved in 86. I got involved in leadership in 1988. So that's longer than some of you have been alive, right? And uh, but I just say to people, who's discipling you? And they go, I just point, I just look up. <laughs> go, what, the ceiling? Who are you talking about? Seriously. <laughs> God, God, God is my discipler. Get off your throne. Give me a break. Wait, so you hear the voice of God so clear. Rubbish. Yeah. Very good. Rubbish. Yeah. Are we okay? Yeah. We, we're allowed to talk. This is, this is leaders, so we can talk as leaders. Amen. Praise God. So the thing is, this is you, God gave people to disciple you, right? So who's your Solomon? You also need a Barnabas, right? Not a Barabbas. You need a Barnabas, okay? Don't get a Barabbas. He's a nasty guy, okay? <laughs> give us Barabbas. No, no, give us Barnabas, right? Barnabas, what does Barnabas mean? He's a son of encouragement. He's a co-peer. He's someone who stirs. He grows with you. They walk alongside. If you've got a friend like that that cheers you on, reminds you that you're better than that, man. When you're getting down, they go, come on, man, we're going down the front to praise God. I don't feel like praising God. Well, let's go anyway. Come on, man, you know those encouragers that don't let you go? They trap you in a smile and go, you're awesome. You go, I don't feel awesome, but you are. You know what I mean? You need people like that. You need a Barnabas in your life. But the third person you need is a Timothy. Who are you discipling? But I'm just new at this. So you can be a brand new born again Christian. You can still have a Timothy. The Timothy's the unsaved person. You can still take people on a journey, but I don't know everything about the Bible. Well, neither do I. One of my friends was still convinced that we came from monkeys. Now, to be honest with you, I thought he came from a monkey because he could grow a beard in like a day, man. This is taking me weeks. In a day, that guy had a shave, man. It was unbelievable. And he had an incredible, insatiable desire for bananas. Praise God. But you know, so I'm not there to argue with him about evolution at this point here. Let God deal with it because God made the monkeys too. Are you guys okay? Some of you don't know how to respond right now. Seriously, are you? Yeah, I'm just having fun, right? This is what we do, right? The thing is, this is, but he was still able to take people on a journey. He could tell them that God loves them. One of my friends believed that we were, there were aliens, spaceships. I don't know. Bible tells me what I need to know. The Bible doesn't say there's not aliens, by the way, too. But it doesn't say there are. So I don't know. Maybe Dr. Spock will come pick you up one day. Come on. Live long. 
I don't know. Maybe there is the, I am inevitable. Anyway, end game. So you know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I don't know where there's any of these type of guys, right? But I don't care. I'm not going to get caught up in arguments that don't go anywhere. So he believes that I said, well, listen, maybe there might be. I don't know. The Bible only tells me what I need to know to get me through this life. But, you know, one day you might be picked up an alien, taken a billion galaxies away. But one day you'll die and you'll face your maker who's God. There's still no escaping him because if there are aliens, he made them. There wasn't anything before God. It says in the beginning, God. First four words of in the beginning, God. Amen. There was nothing else. He is the beginning, right? Does that make sense? Right. So, so this is what we're going to do, right? So here we go. I'm going to get into it. Are you ready? Praise God. Here we go. So how do we, how do we make disciples? Number one, right? Be determined with our discipleship. See, we learn from Jesus all the time. I'm always going to look at the master, right? He said, as I've done, I want you to do the same. Number one, be determined with your discipleship. Jesus was very intentional. Do you understand? He was very intentional with his discipleship. He didn't just come in and go, what should we talk about today, boys? He, he knew where he wanted to go, right? He was very determined with his discipleship. For three years, he spent with the disciples. He was intentional. Now, I don't think it was always just walking on water 101 classes. I think he had fun with the guys as well. You know, I think he talked about stuff. You know, did you see what I did with that fig tree the other day? Oh, man, you ain't seen nothing yet. Booyah. You know, I, I think, I'm sure he had fun, right? But he was very intentional, For three years, he discipled. He did these incredible things. Are you intentional? Are you determined with your discipleship? Are you, listen, are you determined? See, do you sit there and think before you got to lead something? Do you understand the privilege it is that God has allowed you to look after some people that are his precious, precious people and you get to lead them? Are you determined? Or do you just go, oh, I'll just do a quick prayer before I pull into the car park because I haven't done anything. Now, there's nothing wrong with that every now and again. But if that's all you do, God will replace you. Because if you're relying on your charismatic gift, but you don't dig any new wells, everybody will catch you up. That's why you see so many times in church, people are very good at attracting disciples. They're very good at attracting people on their team. And their team love them. But the problem is because that leader is doing nothing, to grow themselves, to take people on a journey, the people that they're leading catch them up. And they no longer want you to lead them anymore. They just want you to be their friend. Amen? Come on, folks. You've got to be determined. What have you done this week to grow yourself? If you've got a group to run this week, how determined are you to take them on a journey? Come on, am I talking to the right people here? You've got to get this in your heart. You've got to be determined about it. Jesus was determined. He didn't just come in and just grab something from the air. He could have. If anybody could have, he could have. But what are you doing to plan? I mean, what are you doing? Does this make sense? You've got to build into yourself. Do you know what I do for myself? And I told the staff this. I made a decision in May last year. I was actually over here. I was preaching in, in, in Auckland. Uh, I was at Christchurch first off, and then I was in Auckland, uh, Arise Christchurch, and then I spoke to Elam Church, and I was with a good friend who's a pastor, runs a church called Elam, right? And uh, his name's Steve Green, and he's the the lead pastor underneath Luke, who heads up the whole Elam side of things. And we're going out, we're working out, we're doing a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm eating gluten-free, man, because he's on this fad diet, man. So I went, yeah, come on, let's do it, man. I'll try gluten-free, you know? So we're eating away, and we're talking about different things about what are we doing to grow ourselves? What are we doing to stir us? And he said how John Cameron, who's also a really good friend, had said to him once, you know, if you just spent 30 to 45 minutes to an hour every day just reading the Word of God, you'd be amazed at what it does to your life. And as soon as he said that, I went, 
Steve, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm going to do from now on. I've always talked about it, you know, because we always do this. What's your vision for this year? I want to read and pray more. <laughs> Big deal. It's like those New Year's resolutions that we never keep. No one does it. Hey, Amen. Come on, folks. I want to read and pray more. You should be reading and pray more. That shouldn't be a goal. That should just be the standard. So I realised that, you know what? And I just finally said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. So from that moment on, it was near the end of May, I started reading the Word of God, right? Uh, uh, for 45 minutes minimum a day. Right? The only day I don't read is on Sunday because my Sunday is a 13-hour day. I start at 7.30 in the morning. I finish at 8.30 at night. Right? And I'm in church, maybe five services, preaching, whatever. So I'm getting the Word. Do you understand? Right? But I started doing it. Do you know what? I'm right now I'm about to finish the Bible from cover to cover for the fourth time yeah. since last May. Right? And I've got to tell you, I feel good. I don't say that arrogantly. I don't take notes. I just read it. I read it. Sometimes I read it out loud. I'm on the plane. I'm reading the Word of God. I love it when you're reading the Word of God on the plane because there's always someone sitting next to you looking. So you just tilt the Bible a little bit. Yeah, but I tell you, you know why? Because I feel so full of the Word that I remain full because the Bible says out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth should speak. The problem is with us as leaders, we're speaking from our tank. And so when you give, you feel empty because you've only been speaking of what's inside. I want to speak out of the overflow so I remain full. Does that make sense? Right? I'm determined. I don't want to come in here with a bunch of nonsense. I want to know my Word. Now, I'm still going to dig, and now I'm, I'm excited. You know, the Proverbs 25 says this, it is to the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to search it out. Right? So now I'm stirred by that. So you know what that tells me is God hides things from you. He hides them as you grow. He hides them on purpose because He wants you to show you that you're actually more than capable to search deeper things out. Because if He just lays it on a platter and spoons feeds you, you become a little sissy, spoiled brat. True, right? Come on, feed me, feed me. It's like people come to church and go, not enough word here. You're supposed to read the word, you slacker. Tell me once when it was the pastor's job to be the only person feeding you the Word of God. Just give me one Scripture and I'll give you a hundred that rebuke you. My job as a pastor is to whet your appetite for the Word. Yes. Amen. Who remembers the saying, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish yes. and he'll eat for the rest of his life. We keep on coming here, spoon fed, man, little bib in our neck. Come on, give me the fur, give me the Word. And so we feed him and then we complain because there's not enough Word. I'm going to go to somewhere deeper teaching. You don't need deeper teaching. Listen to me, folks. Listen, you swim in three feet of water. It's the same principle when you swim in 30 feet of water. But you've got to learn how to swim. Does that make sense? My job is to whet your appetite for the Word so you'll go feed yourself. Some of us got Bibles sitting on our, on our bookshelves that have never been read. They're pristine and clean and you're calling it the Holy Word of God, but God says, I want it to be read. Yes. Barry Smith, who was a Kiwi, said this, dirty Bible, clean Christian. Yes. Clean Bible, dirty Christian. Yes. Amen. Come on. Some of us, we've got books of the Bible and if there was a picture of Jesus in there, if we open it up, he'd blink because he hasn't seen daylight for years. <laughs> Come on, folks. Got to read the sucker, man. Get the Word of God into you. Does this make sense? Are you determined? What are you doing to build yourself up? I got to tell you, listen, I get fired up and I get stirred up and, and I do get motivated being around people, but I motivate myself. I remind myself, get up. Start praying. And now I'm trying to get my prayer language into the same thing. But you know what? I speak in English. I get distracted real easy. I never try to pray before I go to bed because I start praying my dreams, man. You know, and then, I'm, then it's just weird. And God goes, I'll oh, just shut up and go to sleep, you idiot, right? 
But you know, where Paul said, I speak in, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. The Bible says that when you speak in an unknown tongue, you speak mysteries to man, but you speak revelation to God, right? And it edifies yourself. People think, well, you're supposed to have an interpretation. No, that's called the gift of tongues. That's not called speaking in tongues. There are two types of tongues in the Bible. One's speaking in tongues, which is the edification of self. One is the gift of tongues, which is the edification of the body. Does that make sense? And everybody gets it. Where's the interpretation? There is no interpretation, you fool. We get caught up because we don't understand the Word of God. Why? Because you haven't dug any wells. You haven't been determined to grow yourself. And so people are still stuck. Is it all right for women to keep their heads uncovered in church? You've read one part of the Scripture and it shows me you're not determined. That's talking about prostitutes. They used to have to shave their heads because that was made them noted as a prostitute. And so prostitutes started getting saved. And of course, members of the congregation were ridiculing them because they could see baldies coming in. She's a whore. So Paul said, cover your head. Let all women cover their heads so we don't have discrimination. Do your research. Come on, what are, you, are you determined? Are you sharpening your own axe? Does this make sense? Some people think they can't take communion until they've been baptised in water. Rubbish. It's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. We gotta, we gotta get, we gotta, but are you digging your wells? Like I said, it's the glory to God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. We're called kings because Jesus is the king of kings. We're called kings, we're called saints, we're called priests, right? And so, you know, when I think of that scripture, I think of this. Uh, when, you know, you do an Easter egg hug, you see the uh, hunt and you see the kids come out, man. And you've got the granddad and what he does because the kid's only two years old, he puts the eggs in plain sight. You know, he hides them on the table like this and he hides them on chairs, but they're glowing in the dark, man, so you can't miss them. And the little kid comes in to search for the eggs and he goes, I found one, I found one. You know what I mean? And he grabs them like this. But how many people know if a 10-year-old comes in and sees it that easy? The 10-year-old goes, Granddad, why don't you hide it better? Don't you know I like to search them out? Sometimes we're waiting for God to just keep it in plain sight. And God says, I, I want you to dig. Come on, what are you doing to develop yourself? Are you determined? What are you doing to grow yourself? Please don't blame everybody else. Listen, I love you to bits, leader. I love you to bits. The first person you should actually talk to is the one in the mirror and say, you need to start doing stuff. Stop talking about if only. Stop saying you're gonna start listening to that leadership pop podcast. Start doing it. Yeah, right. Stop saying you're gonna start reading the Word of God. Start today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tomorrow, get up that little bit early. Don't pick up the newspaper. Pick up the Word of God. Don't turn on the radio. You know what? The young ones, before you look at Instagram, and WhatsApp or whatever text message. We use WhatsApp in Malaysia, right? I know you guys, it's second rate, but for us, it's first, you know? Facebook, all this sort of stuff. Just go, you know what? I'm not going to put it on. Yeah. And don't, don't try and spend an hour in the Word if you're not even used to a minute. Don't freak yourself out. It's like, I mean, if you've never run before, you don't go join a marathon. <laughs> you take a walk. Does this make sense, guys? What are you doing to build into yourself? Determined with our discipleship. Are you determined? My friend, listen, are you someone worth following? I want to be someone worth following. I love the fact that I still get to inspire people. I love the fact that youth still ask me to come and speak every now and again. You know, like I'm 54 and they ask, and I've got a lot of great youth pastors, and I go, you should get this person. He's unbelievable. But it's still an honour to go and speak to youth. I don't go, oh, mate. I, I, I get actually more nervous speaking to youth. Or kids. When they ask you to speak to kids, it's terrifying. <laughs> Little kids just looking up going, <laughs> Got to be determined with our discipleship. Number two, he was direct, you've got to be directional with your leadership. 
This lines up with determined. Determine with the discipleship, directional with our leadership. Real simple, where are you going? And where are you taking the people? You need to take the people you lead on a journey, right? Ask yourself this very simple question. Where do I want to see the guys that I'm leading go? Where do I want to take them? Where do I, what do I want to see? Listen, the, the, that question will, uh, that, the answer to your question will answer a lot about you. I just want to become their friends. Then become their friend and come out of leadership. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I really haven't thought about it much. Well, they're, they're going to they're gonna leave you eventually. Uh, I just want to build them to myself. That's not kingdom. Amen. You, you, what, where are you taking the people that you're leading? You've got to be directional. Do you, are you giving them a task? Are you giving them a point? Are you giving them something to aim at? We talked this morning about goals. Too many people, they either set astronomical goals that are beyond our reach or such ridiculous goals that we could do in our sleep. Right, I was talking to even Will. We were sitting down eating. I was eating my vegetarian burrito tonight. The lady tried to tempt me. She brought out a burrito with pork in it. I want to tell you right now. Can you believe that? I said, thou maidenest. Henceforth, I have tempted thee. No, no, I didn't really. I just said, you brought the wrong burrito. Anyway, but... Um, but I said, well, I said, this is the thing. You can, you've got, you've got, a, you've got there's, there's real goal, right? Real. Requires no faith. There's super duper faith where you talk about like, so how many people could we believe to get saved in, in Equipus, uh, Dunedin? Well, let's believe for, let's believe for five. Walk in the park, right? Okay, let, no, no, 50,000. Okay, that's ridiculous. How many people know that's wonderful, right? But then come down and get, get the real aspect. Get the stuff that presses you, tests you, but you could actually see it through God come to pass. Does this make sense? See, don't, don't, see, I, I asked the staff this very simply. If 150 new people came to your church last week, could you cope with it? See, we're praying for revival. We're praying for the church to grow. What if God goes, okay? Amen? It's like that first revolution album. Are you ready? Remember Tane sung it? He had the arms like legs. I was there when they did that album. Anyway, but so, but you understand, what, are you directional? Are you paying a goal? Listen, any, if, if you aim for nothing in your life, you'll achieve it every time. Yeah, yeah. Amen? <laughs> leadership is not this. Leadership isn't this. Take an arrow, shoot it, and then paint a bullseye wherever it lands. That's not called leadership. That's called losership. <laughs> that's, that's, there's, there's no leadership in that. You, anybody can paint a bullseye where the arrow lands. Where's your bullseye? Are you directional with your leadership? If you're running a small group, do you turn around and say to that small group, the moment you even start, man, I can't wait. Some of you guys are going to be running one of these groups because we're going to multiply. We're going to grow. I've done that with four people in the room, man. I said, yeah, I can't wait. All three of you are going to become leaders. And they go, what are you talking about? There's only four of us in the room. I said, yeah, yeah, but one day we'll be 15, 16. One of you guys is going to take a group because we're talking multiplication straight away. Yeah, Yongi Cho, Yongi Cho sat with four people, right? Him and four other people. It was his assistant pastor, two kids, and a woman that came to escape out of the rain. Right? Meeting in the living room or this area. And he said, God has told me we will have the biggest church in the world. He said it with four people in the room. Can you imagine the kids playing with the toys? They would have gone. It would have just been an instant stop. The assistant pastor would have said, well, my job's over. And the woman who came out of the rain, she just goes, she just goes look, I just came to get out of the rain. I'm just going to go back to the rain. How many people know that's a freaked out statement? Yes. But God gave it to him. 
750 people, 750,000 people in the congregation, 1.2 million if you include your satellite churches. If you didn't get a ticket to go to the service, you couldn't come because they could only fit 25,000 at a time. 25,000. When he meets with his connect group leaders, his life group leaders or home group leaders, he had to hire Seoul Korea Olympic Stadium because there was 110,000 leaders. And he'd say, we're going to pray. So everybody pray so loudly, he'd have to ring a bell over amplification to stop them because they couldn't hear him. But he started with five people. That's pretty cool. And his church was so large. And people, this is the funny part. I've got to tell you this, right? You've got to read the book called Caught in the Web. It was written by uh, Dr. Cho Yongi, right? The church, 750,000. I love it when people go, church is growing. You can get, you just get lost in this church, man. Lost is your choice. I, I can't stand it. Please, if, and I love you to bits, but if you ever come up and say to me, the church is getting too big, please don't come and tell me. Don't speak to me. I'm the wrong person to speak to. Because the church is supposed to keep on getting bigger. Churches just get, I like the small church. Listen, there's nothing wrong with small churches, but while people are going to hell, no church is big enough. While your family's unsaved, church isn't big enough. Amen. But people sort of say, yeah, I'm getting lost, man. Church is so big, man, you get lost. Lost is your choice. You can still be friendly in a crowd, right? But this guy joined his church when he was only a mere 720,000 people. So, you know, wimpy. 720,000, right? So this guy joins the church and signs up immediately for a connect group, right? And so, of course, he goes to the connect group and uh, he's getting followed up by the leader. But then he makes this decision, man, this church is too big. It's too crazy. I think I'll get lost here. I, I think I'll just find some other small place. So he leaves the church. But not only does he leave the church. Now, how many people know? I mean, some guys, my Asians, they do it full spread, man. They don't just mess around. They're not like us Westerners. They make the full deal. So this guy didn't just quit the church. He moved from his apartment to the other side of the city right? Didn't let anybody know. But the next week when it came time for Connect Group, his doorbell rang and there was the Connect Group leader. (laughs) And he goes, how did you find me? He goes, I'm supposed to find you. I'm your Connect Group leader. I'm supposed to care for you. And so he said, man, if this is the care I'll get in this church, I'm not leaving. Amen. How, how, how awesome is that? Caught in the web. It's called Caught in the Web. Good book. It's an old book, right? But the thing is this. You need to read these sorts of well, are you Are you directional with your leadership? Are you taking people on a journey? Jesus was always saying, this is what we've got to do. It says this in Matthew 10, uh, 10 verse 5 to 14. The twelve, These 12 uh, uh, Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles, right? So here he is giving direction. Do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, here's the instruction. Preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor stars. He gave him instruction. He was directional in what he does. Are you taking your people on a journey? Yeah. Come on, man, you're in two services right now here on a Sunday. Is that correct? Two services. What if you go to four services? Are you ready? Worship team, are you ready? Have you got an extra band? Or is it the same band? So all of a sudden now we're just going to see how much we can get out of the singers. Until they're like, I raise a hallelujah. I mean, that's about as loud as the sound guy had it anyway on Sunday. But you know what I'm saying? Praise God. Don't be afraid of the volume sound guy. You know, it's a good thing. Praise God. Oh, praise God. Here we go. So... Sorry, man, I can't help myself. Remember, filter, not filter. Praise God. Here we go. I mean, I know God's not deaf, but He's also not timid. Praise God. But the thing is this, right? So, so understand this, right? Is this, you've got to be ready for that stuff. Are you developing the next leader underneath you right now? Who's your mini me? Are you looking for them? Are you looking for the glint in your eye going, man, I can't wait till I pass the baton to you. You're amazing. 
Amen. Does that make sense? But I hate it when leaders leave and they leave a hole because they were not directional with their leadership. And now the ministry falls apart because you did no discipleship and you want to blame the church. Are these okay? Praise God. See, just what you should do, just amen it loudly and then I'll never think I'm talking about you. Praise God. No, we've got, to, we've got to talk about this sort of stuff there because this is the very real issue. And man, I've been in church life for a long time to see this happen time and time again. Where we're not directional. People got no idea where they're going. They've got no idea what they're doing. They've got no idea what the future holds. They've got no perception. They've got no prophetic insight. They've got nothing, man. And we've got to stir that up in who we are. Where are you taking the people that you're leading? They want someone to follow, man. I'll follow anybody that's got boldness and confidence and brings direction. I don't care about their age. I'll serve a teenager if they're directional. I'll serve a teenager if they're appointed as my leader. What do you want me to do, man? I might even be able to do it better than you, but I'll still submit to you. Just stir me up, man, and point me in the right direction. Which way do you want me to walk? How high? What do you want me to do? Does this make sense? We've got to be directional. Are you directional with your leadership? Are we getting something out of this? Look what Paul said. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You can't say that if you're not directional. You've got to be, number one, what did I say? Determined. The other one was uh, directional, right? Here we go. Number three, developing in our relationships. You've got to be developing in your relationship. I'm going to start them all with D because, you know, that's just what preachers do. Praise God. Developing in our relationships. Jesus actually said this to His disciples. He said, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. You've got to build friends. Can you lead the people that you're friends with? Absolutely. If you make a decision that you're never going to get familiar, you're always going to keep family. There's a fine line between familiarity and family, amen? And when people cross it with me, uh, I have to deal with it, right? Uh, you know, like I have no problem. I love leading people that I love. I love, I love the people. In fact, I don't actually don't even love leadership. I love people and it actually makes me a good leader. If you love leadership, chances are you don't love people. Love people, then leadership will follow, amen? Praise God. Jesus didn't go, I'm the Messiah, baby. You know, when they were shouting out Hosanna in the highest, he goes, you're down right, man. You know what I'm saying? There's a fine line between confidence and arrogance, but that's a free one. Anyway, the thing is this, is, is, you know, you've got to develop relationships with people. Do you love the people you're leading? Or do you just like telling them what to do? Right. Fall in love with them. And if you don't love them, pray until it happens. God will break your heart for them. God, let me see them through your eyes. And all of a sudden you'll start loving the unlovable. It's easy to love people you like, amen? But then you've got to keep that and you can't be afraid of talking to someone that's actually a mate when they're doing the wrong thing. See, we get this familiar and all of a sudden people say, oh, come on, we'll take it easy, man. Come on, mate, I know you're the pastor, but come on, mate, we're mates, man. We went to the rugby the other day. If, he, if, we, if I've stopped him from being able to speak into my life, it's because I've crossed the border of familiarity, right? Or he's become too familiar and allowed it to become that lapse, right? So it goes both ways. Does that make sense? But you can certainly, Jesus called his disciples friends, but how many people know they didn't come up and say, yo, Jay, they didn't, they didn't rebuke, they didn't get casual with him. They still called him Lord. They still called him teacher. They still called him master. He, but he called him friends. Does this make sense? So you've got to love the people you're leading. Have you got that sort of relationship? Could you have a cup of coffee with the people you lead and not talk about church? That's a beautiful silence in this place here. Now you've answered the question for me. That's absolutely wonderful. You've got to build relationship. But honestly, you've got to keep it like, I, I have no issue with people. Uh, I, I, I love it. My, Pastor Mark is my boss. He's 10 years younger than me. All right? He's been on leadership less than me. Right? I've been leadership. I used to speak at his church when he was the keyboard player as a lawyer. 
And then he became my boss. And people said, you can't work under Pastor Mark. He's, 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 been, he's younger than you, man. Has him in leadership. That sort of stuff there. And you're a friend of his. I said, that's my decision. That's my decision if I can serve under him. And I choose yes. I want to grow old with him, man. I want to sit on a porch and celebrate what God's done. Yeah. And we mess around. We'll go out for some serious makan. Makan means eating, right, in Malaysia, right? So we'll go out to a, so some serious makan time. We'll just talk and mess around all night. But we'll, then we'll go into the things of God. Then we'll go back into curry. Then we'll go into the things of God. Then we'll talk about some other incredible food or some sport that we like. But we have a great mateship, but there's never an issue with me going, hey, you need to shut up, Mark. That'll never happen. Yeah. And the funny thing is he'd even give me permission to do that if it was a case. He's always said, you speak into my life as well. But he's my boss, man. Does that make sense? Yeah. But we're good mates. But we keep the border wise when it comes to family and familiarity. Amen? Yeah. Come on, folks. Does this make sense? Yeah. But you've got to do this. Are you building relationships? And listen, some of us get too afraid. If you're too afraid to tell the person that you're leading that what they're doing is wrong, something has happened. Amen? Yeah. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? You know, I told the staff, you know, and I told the men, the mighty men or the strong, stronger conference, I said, the problem is this. We've turned one where Jesus said, blessed are the peace. We've turned it into blessed are the peacekeepers. Jesus never said, blessed are the peacekeepers. Peacekeepers are the ones that never want to ruffle people's feathers. No, just, don't, don't get them angry. Just sweep it under the carpet. It'll be fine. It'll disappear. That's not, that's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Peacemakers are armed forces. They're the ones that aren't afraid to go into battle to bring peace. They're the ones that aren't afraid of a bit of a fight or a scuffle to bring peace to the area. Does that make sense? Some of us, we just avoid it like a plague because we don't like it, but because maybe because familiarities come in and you don't know how to handle it anymore. But you need to get the revelation again that you're called to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Amen. And you know, you know Mark said this, and I've, it's been something in my life from now on. He says, if you love to confront, you're a bad leader. But if you love them, you'll confront. Amen. I don't like confronting. I don't love confronting, but I love people enough, so I'll confront them yes. if something's going wrong. And, 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 and I have people that do that to me as well. Does this make sense, guys? Yeah. You've got to be, but you've got to be building relationships. Some of us, we, don't, we spend so much of our time in church, leadership, the whole sort of stuff there, but we don't even enjoy each other's company. Flip. You go to a home group and you go, and I can't wait for this thing to be over. You've got to start asking God, break my heart for these people. Start getting to know them. Have a conversation with them. Sometimes it's really awkward, amen? Especially with that one that gives one word answers. You know what I'm saying? So how was your day? Good. Have you been busy? No. You doing much on the weekend? No. You know what I mean? You're going, okay, I'm just waiting for the next syllable. You know, seriously, you've got to learn to... I... Or you've got the ones that just tell you that everything. You know, and you're, you're growing a beard. You just celebrate a birthday. You know what I mean? <laughs> Praise God, okay. Are we all right, folks? I'll give you two more, ready? You've got to be delicate with your correction. Delicate or, let me give you another one, discerning with your correction. Jesus wasn't afraid of rebuking, but he didn't look for it. He didn't look for an opportunity to rebuke people. Uh, you know, you, he, but he wasn't afraid to do it. Sometimes we just have to do it. Listen, don't be on a mandate just to bring correction all the time. No one will like you. And you think it's, oh, well, I'm just the righteousness of God. There's all these people that come in that are Christian police. I think Will had to deal with someone the other day. Then, yeah, you have a Christian policeman come in and ask you some questions. Didn't you say something about that? Oh, praise God. Oh, you don't. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Look at his face. Are they in the room? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
Sorry, but I know, someone was telling me anyway. Put it this way. But the thing is this. Is, no, no, you said it was someone that just came in random. Anyway, but the thing is this. So people come in like the Christian police. What's this church all about? What do you believe? Do you believe in the Trinity? Do you sing worship to Jesus? What sort of songs are you using? What Bible do you preach from? Shut up. <laughs> who are you? Gabriel? <laughs> who are you? I didn't catch your name. Apostle who? <laughs> one, of my, one of my staff, right? One of my staff runs one of our campuses. Uh, messages me when I'm coming. Uh, I, I just drove back from... From uh, Timaru to Christchurch, right? It was a Saturday night. Drove there. I lost someone on past and text me. He goes, Pastor, man, I'm so angry. So angry. This couple just came to our church and just said, who's this guy? Holds up a picture of Pastor Mike. Who's he? Is he fake? This church needs to go through persecution. Have you guys ever done the hard yards? Pastor, who the flip are these people? He goes, I'm so flipping mad. I'm laughing my head off because the message just made me laugh. I'm going, I love these people. They're the best, man, you know? <laughs> Saying, what's this? The music, you should turn the music down. I've got a bad heart. And he goes, you really got a bad heart? He goes, well, no, the music, if it gets louder, it makes my heart palpitate, you know? And it's just complain, 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 complain. And trust me, they don't have the music really loud, right? All this stuff here. Why have you got this? Black, this, blah, blah, blah. Just comment, comment, like pull down, pull down. And so I called Ray. I just rang him because I was laughing my head off because I couldn't type. It was just too funny. So I said, hey. <laughs> I said, who are these people? He goes, I don't even know. They got, they'd left another church. So they used to go to another church, but they decided not to go to that church anymore because they changed their service times. Because of course, when we go to church, it has to be convenient. Yeah. Amen. Because that's what Jesus died for. He died because it was convenient. Amen. I mean, revival can come as long as it's convenient and it works on my schedule. But if you want me to drive another kilometre because you have to move church, man, I'm out. I just have to go to another church because it's closer and it's... Right, so these people left their church, left their church they've been going to for ages because they changed the service time by a quarter of an hour. Oh, that's already, that's, and so I'm just laughing my head off. I said, this is hilarious, dude. I said, don't worry about it. Don't care. I said, I said but follow them after the service. Because I said, they're still there. They're sitting at the back and they're just looking, right? Mm, uh, you know, this sort of stuff there. And, uh, and I said, well, when they go to talk to any people in the congregation, I said, make sure you're there. Because if we're not going to have any negative. We're accepting. Our culture is accepting of all people. But if you come in to bring division, we'll talk with you. And if you're open to rebuke or correction, then you can stay. But if you just come in to bring division, we're going to deal with you. We're going to deal with you. I've got no issue with that. Jesus was called the Lamb of God, but He was called the Lion of the tribe of Judah as well. He was called the Rock of Salvation, but He was called the Rock of Offense. When He went into the temple and cleared out the people, turning it into a den of thieves, they didn't call Him gentle Jesus, meek and mild. They went, who the flip's that guy? Yeah. Come on, folks. Yeah. But so I said, Ray, I said, follow him. I said, and you have a talk with him and just say, hey, listen, I just need to have a conversation with you because I'm only just meeting you and the first way you walk in is pull down everything. You, you, you almost want to prophesy persecution over the church. This is what they're saying. You need some persecution. You need, this is all fake. Where's this guy? This Pastor Mark Varigas. We need to meet him. Who the flip are you? I said, just ask him, who are you? I'm sorry. Did you just come down from the throne room? <laughs> And you're the ones that are bringing judgment. Are you one of the angels that I read about in the book of Revelation? Who the flip are you? I just, who are you? Just because you speak in King James doesn't mean you've got authority. Or thus saith the Lord, duh. I don't care how many dust you do after your words. Don't, don't shake me. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? We're called to be shepherds of the flock. You mess with my sheep, my sheep's hook will find something in your body that you won't like. Amen. Praise God. 
It's just the bottom line. We had prophets coming in, prophesying rubbish over our people, scaring the life out of people. I got up from the pulpit. I said, there's prophets, so-called prophets in this place here, and you're, you're scaring the life out of congregation, prophesying doom and death and that. That's unbiblical. It's not New Testament prophecy. New Testament prophecy is for the edification of a church. It's a love letter from God. And you threatening people with death is divination and fortune telling, and I'll rebuke you in Jesus' Name. And if you're a real prophet, you would have known I was going to say that. I got no issue with dealing with that stuff. It's just nonsense, man. I'm, the, I'm one of the chief shepherds. You mess with our sheep. Are you okay, folks? But when it comes to your people, you don't get, you know what? We're taking them on a journey. Ezekiel warns us. He said, if you see someone doing something wrong, you don't warn them, the blood's on your hands. You see them doing something wrong and you warn them, then the blood's on their hands. Amen. But you've got to be delicate with it. Don't go in with a way of going, Holy Spirit, I've got this. I'm going to deal with this situation. No, no, allow God to speak. And if you're dealing with a situation that's a tough situation, let me tell you, always bring Scripture. Because anybody can argue with you and your opinion. Opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got them. Most of them stink. Amen. Praise God. Okay, that was too deep for some of you and you missed it real fast, right? Okay, but the thing is this, is go Bible. This is what the Word of God tells me. This is what, this is what it says in the Word of God. I always bring people back to the Word of God because you can't argue with the Word of God. Well, you can, but you'll lose every time. You can argue with my opinion, you probably win. But if you talk about the Word of God, you've got to bring it in. But we've got to be delicate, be discerning. You know, if you're having, listen to me, real quick tip. If you're having to correct all the time, am I doing okay? Is this okay? Okay. If you're having to correct all the time, it might not be the person. It might just be you. It might just be you. If you're having to correct all the time, you might be teaching badly. Right? I'm not saying it is. But if you're having to do it all the time to that person. Listen, I've gone to people sometimes where I feel like it's never connecting. And I said, listen, I don't, I don't know if I'm the guy to lead you because we talk about this stuff, but you seem to do everything opposite. And it never seems to go anywhere. And I love you to bits and I don't want to hinder your leadership or your gifting. So maybe it's better for you to serve under someone else. And it freaks them out. They go, oh, but I want, to, I want to be under you. I said, but, but we're never, it's never working. So I don't know, am I not teaching you well enough? Like I ask people, if I'm sure, you know, I'm, if I'm in a room and I'm teaching people, especially if we're in a smaller room, I go, has everybody got that? And I know, you know, most people go, yeah, of course. Is there any questions? No, there's no questions. Because there's always never any questions, right? <laughs> right? But then they walk out and they start talking to each other. Do you know what he was talking about? Seriously, I just didn't understand that. You understand? Yeah. So I, but if I know that, if I, especially if I've got a team that are close to me and I know a lot of times their mind's wandering and they go, yep, got it. I go, okay, so, okay, so just give me a brief summary of what we're doing. I don't do it negatively. I don't go, give me a brief summary. I go, okay, so, okay, cool, cool. Well, let's go through a summary. Hey, uh, so-and-so, give us a brief summary of what we're talking about, what we're going to be doing from here. Yeah. And you see them going, I'm not trying to be hard. I'm talking about my leaders. Does this make sense, right? And I'm taking them on a journey, right? So I want to know whether they're really paying attention. Well, I mean, we had the staff meeting today and that's what's up there. And I said, okay, so as we finish, what are you going to action? What are you going to put into action today? What's the point of giving a whole bunch of information? What's the point of giving a whole bunch of direction? What's the point of being intentional with it? And then everybody just walks out and does nothing about it. So now our real question is, what's your intentionality? What are you going to do with what we just talked about? Don't sit there and go, amen. I've heard amen so many times. I've been in meetings where people are going, power of God's moving. Everybody's getting wiped out. Freedom. And everybody's going, oh, freedom. And there's people like this, free. I'm free. And then afterwards, go, pastor, I need to talk to you. I've just got heaps of issues. And I go, were we in the same meeting? Why don't you just amen? What are you talking about? Because I've noticed a lot of people listen, but they don't listen. Jesus said, you hear, but you don't hear. Amen. Is this making sense, guys? Are you okay? It's cool, right? 
I had to unlearn a lot of stuff. Let me tell you, when I moved to Malaysia, I was originally, I was, I was born again in a place called Paradise Community Church. Planet Shakers was birthed at Paradise Community Church. And then I moved over to Melbourne and we did Planet Shakers Church, right? Um, so I was involved in Planet Shakers since its inception. And uh, I did the university ministry. That went nuts. Everything grew, blah, 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 blah. When I, and I used to travel a lot. I went to Malaysia 60 times before I moved over there. 60 times, six zero, praise God. And then I moved over there to the promised land. See, I mean, we go to heaven, it's a land flowing of milk and honey. Uh, you know, Malaysia's flowing with tataric and curry, which is uh, Malaysian food anyway, praise God. I know you don't know what I'm talking about. Tataric means pool tea, but it's really nice. Anyway, so, but I went over there and as a guest preacher, everybody laughed, everybody loved what I was saying. But all of a sudden I became the lead pastor, I became the senior guy. And then you know what you do when you do that? You paint a bullseye on yourself. And the congregation go, <laughs> Well, they sit there <laughs> and watch you, right? And then all of a sudden, people are getting offended by me. People are getting hurt by what I'm saying. It was the same staff. Now they're getting offended, right? Why? Because I'm, I'm no longer a guest, right? And so I'm going, and then Mark, Mark contacts me. Pastor Mark, he contacts me. He's listening to all the podcasts. He goes, hey, Matty, be careful. You sound a bit fierce in this area here with the, with the guys. They, they won't be used to that. I went, okay, good call, good call. Right? So I thought, okay, I can develop that. I can develop that. And uh, then Pastor Mervyn, who comes, he's our Indian guru. We'll call him Yoda. And he's the counsellor man. He spreads out his arms and he goes, are you with me, church? And everybody's going, yeah, we're with you, man. We're with you. Right? He's just, and his jaw wavers. He's like, are you with me? Right? And I'm going, man, I'm even with you. You're such a beautiful man, right? And he's watching me preach and he goes, you look a little angry. And I went, I look angry. I sound fierce. What's going on, man? I felt like, and these are the ABCs of me, baby. Instead, I went for a drive in my car. I said, God, what do I need to do? And he said, it's not what you're saying that's wrong. It's the way you're saying it. You know, the classic illustration, please don't touch glass. If you say that, everybody comes up and goes, hey, 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 right? How many people know if there's a sign? But if you write, please wash your hands immediately after touching, no one will touch. Just got to find a better way of saying the same thing. Amen? Praise God. Does that make sense, right? So, so the thing is this, is that's what I do. I revamp. So I dug new wells. And then it was amazing. Mark put me in a five-week series. I had to preach for five weeks. So I did a five-week series. I called it Roaming Through Romans. Still available on podcast. And it was so much fun. It's where I dug new wells. It's where God changed and transformed me. Amen? Because I wanted to be a better leader. Amen? I did want to bring correction to people, but I had to learn a better way of doing it. Does it make sense? Cool. Last one. Here we go. Last one. And this is the key one. I think this is absolutely brilliant. When it comes to all your leadership, you've got to be dynamic with your encouragement. You've got to, listen, if all you're doing is blah, 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 and you give no praise, you give no compliments, you let them know, man, you're growing. Are you dynamic with your compliments? See, I even feel like this. Whenever you're having to deal with a situation, I call it the hamburger method, right? You start with the bread of praise. And you go, man, you're unbelievable. You know what, man, you just, you, the amount you've changed in the last couple of months is absolutely amazing. Blah, 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 blah. You know, bread of praise, make them feel good. And then go, hey, so just in one of these areas that we want to work on and this sort of stuff, and you talk about it, that's called the meat of correction. Amen? Amen? And then you finish with the bread of praise. Burger. Amen? Does that make sense? Well, it's just simple, right? So the thing is, this, but are you, are you one of those people that absolutely encourage, that absolutely let people know, man, you believe in them, speak life in them, are you dynamic? Do you look them in the eyes? Do you refuse to allow them to hold their head down when they're near you? Listen, I promise you this, you hang around with me, I'll stir you up. Um, you hold your head down around me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lift your head up. Well, I, I don't even say arrogantly, I'll change you. I'll grow you. 
I'll stir, I'll stir you up. I'll encourage you. I'll remind you of who you are. And my goal in life is this. I can't give you any gifting. My goal is to help you unlock them. I want to point you in the right direction. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to push you into it. And then the moment you take even a small step, I'm going to build a wall behind you so you can't go back. That's my job in life, right? But I'm always going to remind you of who you are. I refuse to believe that no one's here without purpose. I refuse. People say I'm insignificant. I, I don't even matter. It doesn't even matter. I'm so small, God wouldn't even miss me. Oh, I'm so small, no one would notice me. I'm so insignificant. I told the guys, there's a great proverb. It's an African proverb. And he says, if you think small is insignificant, you've never spent a night in a room with a mosquito. <laughs> Amen? Come on, folks. How many people know that little sucker will keep you up all night? Yeah. Every time you go to go to sleep, it goes, you know, it's like, <laughs> small does not mean insignificant. Does this make sense, right? You've got to remind yourself of these sorts of things. But are you talking to people and going, man, you're great. Boy, when you led, it was amazing. I love it when you get stirred up. I love when you get the fire in your belly, man. You know, when someone gets up there and you know when people are up there holding a microphone for the first time, because they normally don't hold it like this. They hold it like this. Uh, yeah, I just want to say, uh, you know, they're so nervous because it's like, this is like got some sort of magical power on it. So you've got to keep it away from you. Yeah, yeah, I just want to say, uh, yeah, uh, you know, and they're touching their nose and they're fidgeting and this sort of stuff there. But anyway, but you've got to remind them. Now, I sit there, if I'm sitting in the front row, I go, you know what I mean? I was messing around, I'll make a smile. You know, but the moment they say something good, I go, that's great. And you see them going, oh, okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? Builds them up, man. Remind them of who they are. Some people that are coming into your leadership have been told they're rubbish their whole day. Been given a hard time by their boss, struggling at school, maybe have a bad family episode going on, whatever it is. And they walk into your room and they go, what's your problem? We're going to praise God now. Get on with it. Come on, man. We have people like that. Seriously, there's no encouragement. I've been in places where God comes in and goes, this gets up to lead worship. He goes, listen, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know about you. I've had a rotten day. Car broke down, flat tire. Then the battery started packing up, man. My wife was yelling at me. I got seven bills sitting on the fridge. They own me. Sick of my job. Anyway, come on, let's worship God. How many people know I don't feel like worshiping God? I feel like killing him, but I don't feel like worshiping God. I mean, bad stuff happens, right? But you can still be encouraging. But I've been in another room where someone could come in with the same, same thing that happened to me. Go, you know what? I don't know what your day was like. My day was crazy, man. My car broke down. The battery went flat. My wife was yelling at me, man. I've got seven bills. I can't even pay. My job gave me a hard time. But one thing I know is my God is still on the throne. And so I'm going to praise Him. I go, yeah, baby. He's encouraging. Does that make sense? You've got to stir it up. Are you dynamic with your encouragement? Let me tell you, you get these sorts of, I mean, these are simple little things, but the things that I, I want in my own life, the things that I always see in Jesus, the things that I see about it and that I believe we should be. And the one thing I'm stirred by is this, is it's got nothing to do with an age limit, man. I've got some uncles and aunties, uncles and aunties back in Malaysia. One guy's 75 years old. He served in the Connect Lounge because he loves gathering new people. We have to tell him off for serving too many services because you can't stop the guy. Right? You know, the only day or the three weeks that he didn't serve was when he had to go in for bypass surgery. As soon as he recovered, he's back in the lounge. And he gets more new people signed up than anybody else. The guy's a gun. Fires me up, man. And they grab you and they speak life into you. You know what I mean? I get the aunties. I always get told off because I'm away, you know? 
And the aunties, because obviously I was the pastor, but now I'm the senior exec, so I'm still, I'm still based in Cal, but they come up and they go, I don't like it when you're not there. <laughs> they tell me off, they go, I will speak to Pastor Mark. <laughs> right? But it's when an uncle grabs you. And he goes, man, when you preach, you make me happy. Yeah. You stir something up in me. You remind me that I've got time. And I don't like it when you're not here. Yeah. And they give you this big hug. I'm a mess. Yeah. They're still encouraging. Do you understand? There's this guy, Min Chit, who's on our eldership. And he's this absolute legend, 70 plus years old also. I got him to pray over our teenagers at our global prayer night. And he's standing on stage. And I said, I'm going to get up Uncle Minchit. He is a legend, man. He gets up, but he always comes up. He goes, you make me want to get born again when I preach. You make me want to change my life. And I'm going, you, you, I make you. He speaks life into me. Does this make sense? These incredible, not, they're not retiring, sitting back and going, let's just leave it to the, no, nah, man, they're fired up. They're taking me, they inspire me of what I could be in another 20 years' time, man. I go, when I grow up, I want to be like you, man. I remember he gave me one of the greatest compliments. He goes, you're Chinese. I said, that is the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. He's a Chinese uncle, man. I love him, man. It's the greatest compliment. I feel I'm out being Asian. But do you understand what I'm saying? Are you encouraging? Are you dynamic with your encouragement? And if you're not, listen to me, when you're going into lead a meeting and you feel down, you need to drive around one more block. You need to drive around. You need to sit in your car and just go, Kariyama Sukra Derebata. God, I refuse to walk into this place that way. And if you've, got a, if you've got a spirit of heaviness, hang it up on the coat rack and put on a garment of praise instead. Amen. Trust me, when you get back to the coat rack, your coat will be missing because the Holy Spirit would have stolen it. Amen. Well, we've just got to make that decision. I tell you, you say, honestly, I can I say you get this, get this in your DNA, get this in your spirit. People will be bursting the doors down. I, I'm not, I don't say it in any negative way, but I've been around for a long time and I've been involved in a lot of church ministry, and there are a lot of people that are just sitting in pews, starving to death. No one believes in them. No one cares. The guy writes a sermon for a Sunday and forgets it on Monday. And they're not taking people on a journey. And I'm not saying there's a bad guy. Please, God forbid we become that. But there are starving people out there. Yeah. There are people out there. We, we went to this place for the burrito place tonight again, Souls. But the, we went there first Thursday night, right? Thursday night we went there. And the lady comes to serve us. And we said, hey, how you doing? There was no one else in the restaurant. She, she comes up and she goes, how you doing? I said, oh, I said, cool. I said, but just looking. I said, I'm, I'm at, uh, and she goes, what are you going to have? And she's recommending. I said, no, I've got to have vegetarian. I want to fast. And she, uh, No, I said, I'm eating vegetarian. She goes, can I ask why you're, why you're, I said, I'm on a fast. She goes, what are you fasting for? I said, well, I'm a pastor. And we're going into a conference and I'm on a Daniel fast. So I'm kind of taking away the foods that I really enjoy because I'm really believing for God to move and that sort of stuff there. And she goes, oh, wow, okay. Well, I'm, I must be one of those filthy people, you know, one of those unreligious people. I said, nah, nah, you're all good. So we just had a bit of a conversation and told her about different things. We're getting ready for a men's conference. So then tonight we got served by somebody else, but she came over. She came over and she said, uh, what did she say? She said something about my fast. She said, how's the fast going? How are you still doing with it? And this sort of stuff. And started asking all sorts of questions and talking. We loved it. I mean, the other girl served us wrong, so she came in and made up for it. But, uh, <laughs> but she didn't have to. But you know what? She was attracted yeah. by friendliness and encouragement. Yeah. You're speaking life into it. Does that make sense? It's not, it's not flipping hard, man. Yeah. We're not called to be secret agents for Jesus Christ. Yeah. Deep undercover. Amen. You're called to let your light shine. Yeah. Amen. Can we pray? Is that cool? I, I, I suppose, like, I mean, I, I, I don't know how long. I, I wasn't given a time, so that's cool, man. So it's not these guys, it's me. 
I have the gift of the gab. It's the 10th gift of the Spirit. There's <laughs> only nine left in the Bible. But um, I just really want to pray. And I, I suppose, let's just pray. Let's just, I mean, we can get the worship band up. But listen, can I tell you, listen, worship band, don't get up unless you, if you want prayer first. Sometimes you know what happens in leadership because we've got a role and then our heart's beating out the side of our chest when there's a time for ministry. But we go, yeah, got a job to do. Just laying it aside. No, 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 get prayed for first. Get the prayer first, then get up there. Amen? It'll be okay. Trust me, we're not going to hear you when they turn the sound on anyway. Oh, sorry. sorry, I love you, Mr. Sound Guy. Praise God. Also, it's just, I've just never heard a drum that quiet before in my life. It's like... I couldn't believe how quiet it was, man. I mean, you had the headphones on. You couldn't hear anything either, right? We could, we, it was like, it's like we had headphones on too. Praise God. Only kidding. Come on. Sound guy. I'm just messing, man. Come on. Praise God. Sound a bit of fun. Sound a bit of fun. But can we pray? I mean, listen, for some of us, yeah, maybe it's, it's that prayer, God created me a clean heart. What did David pray? I mean, listen, I'm not talking about you falling morally or this sort of stuff there, but David went to God. The thing that made God, uh, David such a champion is he ran to God always. Creating me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Amen. Come on, folks. I mean, that was his prayer. He didn't say, keep my castle, keep my fame or my crown or my riches. Just renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Do you know what I found in leadership? You can lose the joy of your salvation. You've forgotten what it's all about. You've forgotten how, how, how you felt when you first got saved. And now you have this opportunity to take people on a journey that are in that same experience and we've forgotten. And we're kind of going, don't worry, you'll come down from cloud nine. I grew up in that generation. I don't know if any of the older generation here remember this. People used to say, God will answer your prayers when you first get saved, but you'll grow up. Cloud nine, you'll come off of cloud nine. Soon he won't answer your prayers straight away. There's no biblical reference for that. There's actually no scripture for that. But I believed it, of course, because we believe false gospels when you're young. But when you start doing your own research, the Bible never once said that the older you get, he delays the press. Elijah prayed, fire came down. Everybody else, Peter prayed, he didn't go, oh, flip, I've known Jesus for three years now. How long is this going to take? It was instant. Right? It's just rubbish. But if we believe it, we'll receive it. Amen? So the thing is, is we we, we come with these sorts of things and, and, and even for ourselves, we forget. You know, I love hanging around with new Christians or people that don't know how to speak perfect Christianese. And they come up and go, that was a really good uh, talk you did. I go, that was called a message, son. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I love the fact they said talk. I even had a guy not so long ago go, that was a beeping excellent speech, mate. (laughs) I said, well, beeping, thank you very much. No, I didn't. (laughs) But you you know what I'm saying? Like, it it stirs you up because it reminds you of what you were. And when you get to talk to someone that's on that journey, it reminds you of what you forgot you knew. I got to talk to a, a, a mid, mid-aged couple that didn't know how to read the Word of God because they'd never been shown. So they asked, where should we start? And I said, well, please, don't start with Leviticus. You're going to have nightmares. <laughs> don't go with Revelation because you'll swear John was taking something. I mean, Daniel as well. I saw wheels within a wheel, man. Yeah, baby. You know, that's what it sounds. Not that it is, right? But you understand. You start with these books and you've got no understanding. You think these guys are hallucinating. I mean, he was eating vegetables. Must be magic mushrooms, right? Seriously. No, I'm kidding. Not true, right? Yeah, I mean, come on, we're having fun. God understands my humour. But you talk about it. You go, start with the book of John. Start with the book of John. It'll give you a great understanding of, of Jesus, the Son of God. And teaching these sorts of things there. Oh, man, so, and it stirs me up again, reminding me, wow, I remember being there. 
I remember talking like that. Or I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I swear I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And you go, no, you didn't. And they go, how do you know? How do you know I didn't blaspheme the Holy Spirit? I said, because if you did, you wouldn't know. Because all conviction would come from, would go from you. And because you feel guilty, that shows you you still got the Holy Spirit because He's the one who convicts. Oh, see, that's a free one for some of you right there. So can we just pray? I mean, it's just going to be a simple prayer. But, uh, you know, and maybe listen, what we'll do is this. I'll, I'll pray, but then I want you to just link up with the person next to you. I mean, husbands with your wives or whatever, and, you know, guys and girls, guys with guys, girls with girls. But just pray over each other for the fire to come again. Forgot to remind you of how significant you are. That God hasn't finished with you yet. God hasn't finished with you yet. Amen. Some of us go, oh, it's done, man. I'm, I was going to go and speak to a pastor and say, you know, just going to have a bit of furlough. <laughs> I haven't had furlough ever. I've never had a sabbatical. I've been on staff for, since 1995. I've never had a sabbatical, never taken long service leave. I struggle taking holidays because I don't want them. I struggle, man. I get told, go and take some holidays. So I love what I do. I'm not a workaholic. I just love it. It doesn't feel like work, man. I don't want to get to a holiday where I'm dying. When I go on a holiday, I can enjoy it from the moment I go on it. Amen. But I really want to, I want to pray for you, but then I want you to pray for one another. Is that a cool? Can we do that, guys? Because we're leaders, man. And don't, listen, can I, I'm just going to give you encouragement. Don't pray from behind. Going, oh, Be a leader. Yeah. Father, touch him. Mm. Touch her. Yeah. Pray real. Amen. Yeah. Pray like you mean it. Right. Is that cool? Yeah. Praise God. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Just raise your hands to heaven. I'm just going to pray a real simple prayer and then I, then I want you to pray for one another. Is that cool? But just raise your hands up right now. Father God, we thank You for Your presence. We thank You for Your glory. We thank You for the honour it is to be called a child of the Most High God. And Father God, even greater, Father God, that You would call us to be people of influence in our community, Father God. Lord, we pray right now. I pray even now in the Name of Jesus as we stand here, Lord God, let heaven open up and come upon, Father God, the most seasoned leader in this place, Lord God, to the first time, Lord God. For maybe the one that's only been doing it for a short time, Lord God. Father, let us all become aware of Your presence. That even, Father God, at the sound of my voice, You'll begin to remind them of why they said yes. You'll begin to remind them of that day they signed up to serve. You'll remind them of what it was, the joy of their salvation, the joy of taking people on a journey. That, Father God, something inside of them would ignite again and they would be reminded, Lord God, that, Father, You haven't finished with them. Lord God, it's not about the mistakes. It's about what You do with them that makes the difference, Father. Father God, that Lord, we fall down, but we get back up again. Father God, we declare even now, right now, let a fresh fire be kindled in every single one of us, Lord God. Father, we wanna be committed to the cause. We wanna see Christ church turned upside down, Lord God. Father God, there are families that are represented here right now that still aren't in the Kingdom of God, but God, we declare they will be in the Kingdom of God. Father God, there are people that You've called us to lead, Father God. Lord, give us a supernatural Word for them, Lord God. Give us a dynamic, Lord God, that speaks right into the heart and soul of each and every one of them, Father God. Takes them on the journey that You called them to, Father God. Father, show us Your glory. Show us Your glory. Show us Your anointing, God. Father, we don't wanna do this in our own strength, but we pray right now, fill us over again, Holy Spirit. Remind us. Remind us why we said yes. 
Remind them, Father God, that to us, for some of us, it might have been years ago that we said yes, but to you, it's like a moment ago. And Father God, let that fresh fire, that burnt so bright, Lord God, come upon each and every one of us, Lord God. We're gonna make every moment count. We're gonna make every minute count. We're gonna make every meetup count. We're gonna make everything we do count, Father God. Why? Because we matter to you and you matter to us, Lord God. So Father God, we declare right now in the Name of Jesus, come upon every single person in this place. Lord God, even as they breathe in, let them just take in the presence of God. Let them take in the power of God. Come on, resurrect some, Father God. Lord God, let a fresh infilling replace Replace what has been lying dormant, Lord God. Let a fresh infilling come upon him now. We thank you right now, Jesus. Just breathe that in. Just see him filling you and reminding you. For some of you, he's just telling you he hasn't finished with you yet. There's no greater cheerleader than Jesus Christ right now about you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.